Hey, I want to tell you about today's speaker. He is a creative director. He wanted to know if robots and technology can do creative work because he was concerned about the future of his job occupation. So what did he do? He built the first AI creative director and launched a competition in Japan between robot and human creative director. Want to know what were the results? Well, you will need to stay for this episode. I spoke with Shun Matsuzaka about robots, about creativity, about our education and, and how art actually takes place in such a technological world. So stay tuned. We are being told to choose between the left and right brain, between studying art and engineering, between creative and analytical thinking. Our society tells us that art and business are not connected. But what if society is wrong? What if it misleading us? The good news is that understanding what art is can bring us to a new revelation. Art does matter in innovation, technology, and entrepreneurship. And with the help of this podcast and its guests, you as well will learn that art is not an object. Art is a mindset. You are listening to the Artian Podcast with me, Nir Hindi. Hey podcast listeners, thanks again for coming back. Today's episode was originally recorded in Tokyo, Japan. We recorded in Mekan's offices, the advertising agency. I spoke with Shun Matsuzaka, that besides working as a digital creative director in Mekan, Malaysia, he's the founder and leader of the Open Innovation Unit at Mekan called Mekan Millennials. He is a frequent speaker in conferences and events, and now he is working on his new venture. You might wonder how a Japanese that lives in Kuala Lumpur meets an Israeli that lives in Madrid, Spain, to record a podcast in Tokyo. Right? Let me tell you how I got to know Shun. In 2018, I published a book in Japan, Renaissance of Renaissance Thinking, A New Paradigm in Management. While researching for the book, I was looking to see how artificial intelligence, how machine learning are going to influence the creative world. So I met Shun. And in a second, you will understand why Shun is the right person to speak about these topics. Before we start, a disclaimer. This was one of the first episodes that I ever recorded. I was new to the whole podcasting world. So I'm already saying thank you for your patience. We took the time to edit and mix this episode in a very engaging way. And I hope you will enjoy it because Shun has a lot what to say. Shun, welcome to the Artian Podcast. Hello. Hi. Konnichiwa. In 2013, the research automation and the future of work was published. Two professors from Oxford, Michael Osborne and Carl Benedict Frey, showed in a research that almost 50% of the jobs in the US will be eliminated by robots. Just like many, Shun got exposed to this research, and he wanted to understand how technology is going to influence his own field of work, the creative work. So he started a project. I started this project called AI CD Beta, which is the um, world-first robot that can direct TV commercials. At the time, it was 2015, And people were shocked by this research from Oxford University. And I was very interested in AI and robots. So I researched in our area, which is out of the advertising industry. And then there's no one who is exploring it. So I decided to make 
uh, one prototype robot AI that can direct TV commercials. We have collected the award-winning TV commercials in Japan and then made a database. You probably see a lot of commercials every day. But do you know what it involves? How many people actually need to take part in one commercial? So in order for us to understand, I asked Shun to explain, to produce one commercial, what we need to do. I wanted to understand also why he chose the creative role. Sure. Okay, so usually in the creative process, we have creative director who is responsible for the entire creative team of the production. We usually do is we receive the creative brief from the client, which tells us who is the target, what season we want to launch the commercial, who wants what kind of message you want to convey to the target, etc. And then based on that, the creative director will kind of give the team a big direction of what sort of commercial we should make. And then based on that, team will make their, the creative ideas. And then after, we'll have our, what is called, uh, storyboards, and then shooting, editing, and then done. So we'll have like usually 20 to 100 people sometimes to produce. And the creative director is the one who leads that team. So that's very interesting. You say 20 between 100, and in a second you're going to explain about your uh, uh, robot. So I'm interested in how many jobs you are going to eliminate with your robot. Anywhere between 20 to 100. <laughs> so be careful of, of what you are, you are uh, asking for. So you had this idea to kind of try and replace maybe the creative process of coming up with idea to a commercial. How did you go about it? Basically, I, I think it's better I make it clear that I didn't make this robot to replace any of human work. <laughs> Basically, what that robot can do is giving the team a big direction, what we should do, what we should not do based on the database. So the human will kind of work based on that big direction. It's similar to what Netflix does um, to create their um, original drama series. They have a, a lot of database from their service and then they know what audience wants to watch. So based on that, they'll kind of give their um, production team what should do and what should not do. And then their famous actors and directors will make the actual um, drama series. So it's a co-creation process. And of course, their machine has got their um, good side, which is they never forget the things. They can work 24-7 and they don't have a good day or bad days. So they're <laughs> quite reliable in that way. Let's go back for uh, for the project. If I remember last time we talked, you told me you took materials for a few years. I don't know, maybe five, six, seven, eight years of kind of creative or creative direction brief. Yeah. And you started to break it into? Into the database. So we watched about thousand plus TV commercials. And then we guessed what's the creative brief for the client from watching their TV commercials, as well as um, breaking down what makes the good commercials. So for example, this commercial used the music. So what kind of music using celebrity or what, what's the key, key message for that commercials, etc. We have our things to fill up for each commercials and then made a database and it becomes their core data for that AI. And then 
when you have your creative brief for your own product, you just type in and then press the button. And then after I creative director will write down Japanese calligraphy, which is a creative direction. Think about what Shun just described to us. He took thousands of commercials, analyzed them, and then instead of human thinking about the creative aspect of a commercial, you just press one click and get from a database of thousands of commercials what you might need to do. How simple, how easy, how scary. Okay, so now after you mapped kind of what makes a good commercial a good commercial, and you started to feed it into the AI and the AI started to process it, the next phase was actually to test it. And you chose, uh, if I remember, chewing gum or... Uh, yeah, yeah. Chewing gum. Okay, so... Oh, the mint tablet, sorry. Mint, yes. I remember it, it's green or something like <laughs> yes, this. Yes, yes. So tell us about, about this. I mean, how did it work? What did you decide to do in order to test your AI now actually in a process? So I wanted to kind of try and use it, but I made head-to-head creative battle, human against AI. So rather than just making one commercial with the AI creative director, we gave the same budget to the human and AI creative director, and then giving the same timeline, same creative team, but the creative director is different. And then asking viewer to watch two commercials and then vote which one is conveying the message better Wait, before you discover yes. the results, oh, wait. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I have a question. So you chose this uh, a director that probably you, you're familiar with or the agency you worked before, and now you have a battle between human and machine. And you aired the commercial where? It was on YouTube. So, okay. yeah, it was uh, on the website, two commercials, and then asking viewer to watch two and then vote. Japan is a country famous for its innovations. And now, Quartz Mint Tabs can last for 10 refreshing minutes long. So now we have two commercials in the, in the YouTube, and now people start to vote. Yep. And what was the result? The human won, but it was only 50... 4% of the public bought gain to the human. So um, AI was very, very close, even though it was the first time for it to make our commercial. Wait, I want to take the time and repeat the numbers. Humans, 54%. Machine, 46%. On the first attempt. So it's very interesting because, you know, when we had this discussion, and your robot was managed to get to 46% of the voters to vote for their commercial on the first attempt that actually you, you did. And the human only got 54%. And that kind of led me to the question, what will be the future of commercial if robots in the first attempt actually were able to engage 46% of the audience? Where do you see it actually uh, happening? Or going? So I think it can be a great partner for human um, production team. I think we have an answer from the Netflix, how they're successful using the data um, based on the audience behavior. But no robot cameraman or no <laughs> robot editor is working on their Netflix team. 
So it's just the data giving you the right big direction and then human team believe on that data and then they work on it. So, so basically co-creation or built upon some of the things that were analyzed by the robot. So cameramen and uh, recorders and editor be relaxed at least for the next few years. Few years. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what will happen in the in the future. No one knows. But if some if a robot one day will take your job, so I will give you a, a soon uh, email so you can complain. <laughs> it's it's kind of a, a strike me because it's and and that's a kind of conversation or a question that I would like to ask you because we hear this um trend around AI and obviously some of the work will be replaced by AI, especially the routine jobs. But I always claim that the only thing that kind of separate us from machine in a way is our ability to think in an original way, in a creative way. And that's a question that I also kind of want to hear your uh, opinion because you are dealing with AI and, and robots. What is the difference between creativity in humans, creativity to machine, and why do you think or not that humans still are better when it comes to understanding a human and creativity than, than machine? Again, I don't know about the future in after 10 years, but as far as I can imagine, we are still in the human world. So a lot of things that we do is to make human happy or to make our world better place. So if we have um, start to create the concept of to make machine happy, then maybe the machine will be the better. But as long as we are still communicating with their human in a human society, I think human will be the better. And then we use machines, AIs and robots to support or co-create or co-work together. And do you think your, your robot will become more popular among other creative agencies as kind of a helper in the design of new or the conceptualization of new commercial? For sure, yes. But I think it's more to do with their generation. We are the generation who is kind of naturally accept the technology, but the younger ones who is learning at the school at the moment, they are learning with AI and the technology today. So I think that they later on for sure, but I don't know like in three years because the ones who are doing work in the industry, they say that the tech is very important and we all need to understand it, but they don't really use it for the everyday work. So it really depends on how much we believe on it and how much we try to use it. I, I want to believe that humans are in a way more humans than machine and, and able to keep at least, <laughs> the, at least for now, the, the creative spirit uh, for ourselves. As you know, I'm dealing a lot with the role of art in, in business. And obviously often I've been asked if machine can create art and can be creative. And I wonder, what do you think? I mean, can machine create art? And, and if it's creating art, which type of art? I think, again, it's art. Who see the art is human. So if there's an art for machines, then machine maybe will be the better artist. But I think if you are communicating with humans, then creativity wise, there's always human input 
into the machines. So I, I don't think the machine yeah. becomes naturally artist yeah, without I mean, human. So I, I always say that machine can analyze cubism and probably create a beautiful cubism painting, but I'm not sure machine can invent cubism. Yeah. It's kind of led me also to the, another project that you are working on or uh, created. It's kind of a helmet mixed or connected to a robot to enhance human creativity. And that's a project that you did with Fuji, Fuji Xerox, Xerox um, here in uh, Japan. And first of all, I have two questions. For, to ask can understand from you, how did you get to the idea? Why do you think we need to enhance creativity and why actually robot can do it. When I did this AI creative director project, uh, many people asked me how the human creativity remains in their 21 century. I kept asking myself and then my answer was that I don't know the exact answer, but I want <laughs> to use their robot and AIs to enhance human creativity, not to replace it. And then it comes back to my everyday work, which I need to be creative. So what do I want to be supported by robot or AI is that it's my everyday work, which I need to be creative. So what if the robot can draw out my creativity, just like an athlete before the footballer goes to the pitch, they need to draw out their 120% of their ability to win the game. So just like that, I want every day, I want to be creative, like 120%. And there was a mindfulness meditation. I have a friend who is a teacher of mindfulness. And then he told me that you can be a creative doing the meditation. So we combined together the technology of the brainwave tracker, using brainwave tracker to understand your um, situation, whether you are nervous or stressed or relaxed, the robot will understand your emotions and situation. And then based on that, it will give you the right methodology of the mindfulness meditation. So for example, you are nervous, and then there is a right way to reduce your nervousness. So it can be your best creative partner. So, yeah, so that's the second robot I sort of explore. And then I started to do the meditation. And <laughs> I feel like I'm, at least I'm more like, um, not creative, I'm not sure, but I can be relaxed and then I can focus more on the, what I need to face. Yeah, I think, I think at a certain point I will borrow this uh, robot <laughs> because I need to, to see if I can... Uh, meditate myself because the mo for me the moment I, I close my eyes and try to breathe and meditate my brain just work even faster and then I'm like I knew okay what shall I do as you can see Shun is involved in many things one of the things that he started is a startup and this startup deals with creativity talent and kids and I ask him why he started that because it's all related to his own personal story as a kid back in Japan okay so we have started this startup venture company two years ago in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. This is the project to kind of find out kids' uniqueness and then develop it 
So how we are developing, it's not open yet, but we are preparing. It's like a playground in the shopping mall. And we have different types of toys. Some of them are very kinetic, like you need to physically move. And some of them are musical type of um, toys. Some of them are like Lego blocks to kind of build up, construct stuff. So those toys are based on the concept theory called multiple intelligences. So this professor from Harvard University are developed this concept. It's kind of counter for the IQ and their education system today because it, the measurement system today to、um, measure the kids is very, very narrow. Only limited people can fit into it. And then most of them are not measured right way. And I was、um, personally suffered in the school to sit down for like 50 <laughs> minutes. And then every few months we have an exam. I couldn't score very well. But I really like to learn stuff, but I just didn't like the system. So, what we are trying to do is in that space, we will install cameras and sensors. And then k i d can just play in the area one hour or two. And then we can censor how the kids play. And then Um, we can find out the uniqueness and the talent. And we believe all the kids h a s got talent. So they are all gifted. And we will find their kind of tendency. And after we can give a lot of tips how he or she can grow based on that database. And then we'll provide like annual workshop to develop their creativity as well as their scores based on their, their talent and uniqueness. I think that when we talked last time, is that you mentioned that actually、uh, it was your father that encouraged you to pursue your way of thinking and, and as a kid. And I think it's when I, when I do、uh, research around entrepreneurs that always have these connections to the arts, it's always come back to what they saw at, at their home. And often you see that their mother was an art teacher and maybe their father was an engineer or maybe their father was a painter and their mother was a biologist. But for them, disciplines don't exist. It's just everything mixed around the, the table when they have dinner. I feel that we are lacking today with, with kids. We are still trying to channel them to choose either painting, either mathematics, either music or either physics, etc. And It's kind of disturbing me to think that we're still trying to, to channel kids and to tell them, okay, when they are eight or nine, normally our parents tell us, stop doing creative things、yeah. and focus on what's important. So we learn that creativity is not important anymore. That's true. I, I, it just reminded me of my childhood. I have one sister, seven years older. When she was born, My parent was so aggressive for her education. At the time she was studying in a primary school to high school, my parents were very, very strict. So she went to like private school and after school in, in class、Japan. in Japan, in Tokyo. And、uh, at the end, like when she graduated high school, she hates studying. She hates like everything happening in her、um, school. <laughs> so, after my parents learned, and also when I was born, they're kind of older. So, they're kind of more easy, laid back. Give you more then, freedom. More freedom. I mean, 
all free. Like they didn't push me to learn. And then one time I got a very bad score、um, in a mathematics in a primary school. They said, "Don't worry, don't worry. The mathematicians are all bad at math. Actually, they're <laughs> like." Very creative. One idea becomes you very famous. So don't worry. They just kept saying anything happens in their score. They just said, "Don't worry, don't worry. You are good. You are good."、They、kept saying me. So I felt like, oh, I'm good. So school is school. And now I study about the education. It was very, very right thing to do. It's、yeah. the school is only one way to measure the kids. So it's very important that parents encourage you and then believe in their kids. Yeah, I think Finland. Finland understood it because in the education system in Finland they cancelled, I think,、uh, homework and exams, etc. And actually, it's one of the most, I think, achievable education system. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm also kind of exploring how we can influence and and rediscover creativity in humans because one of the things that's why I find the、uh, your even your robot interesting and. Is that often when I speak to the business community, the first thing that we say when they say the word creativity, they say I'm not creative. It's <laughs> not for me, and I believe that creativity is something very natural for humans. It's something that we do. It's just that we kind of killed it when we were at a, a primary school. So it led me to the next question because、uh, you started the Mekan Millennials and. We often hear in the job market around millennials, and now we have the Gen Z started to enter to the to the job market. And I believe, and that's maybe、uh, my perception, is that the young generation understand the role of art and creativity more. It, it maybe it's come to them more naturally in the job environment. And often when I give talks, the, the questions、uh, that I get from young generation and from the old generation are very different,、yeah. and that's the gap generation. And what is this Mekan Millennial, and why did you even start that? So when I started Mekan Millennials, I wanted to do something beyond the advertisement. I like advertising, but I, if I look outside the industry, the same. Generation, the people from the same generation, they make stuff, and then I felt like I can do it too. And then they are like superstars, and then they are the ones who was seen as a creative, like more creative than the people in our industry. So why don't we try it at least? So that was the concept.、Um, we have the people who has got ideas, so what we can just start it, but we. Couldn't do it like their entire company project, so I started small in their、um, same generation who had got same kind of concept. Millennials. Millennials, yeah. And then after we've done few robots project and other kind of new business projects, it just continues. I think people has got idea that we can actually do beyond advertising. So it's kind of a giving the space or the time or the resources for your generation, the millennial generation, to actually experiment with their ideas,、um, and those ideas not necessarily relate to the core business of、uh, Mekan. Can you give us example for one or two projects that you like personally? Okay, other than the robots project, we've done one project with Panasonic. We made a house based on your genetic data. 
So <laughs> nice. basically, the it will be big paradigm shift will come when people start to have DNA data. It's the ultimate database. So it will, I think, be as big as what Google have um, today. So what we imagine in the near future is that we will design a house based on like your genetic data and then like the table would maybe this table is maybe very bad for you so let's change it to this type of wood material materials so to, to match kind of the material in the house to yeah to so my dna okay we picked up one lady who is the genetic company ceo and then we made a bedroom just for her most a of physical it, bedroom. physical be- okay. be- bedroom in their um, shopping mall is our kind of um, showroom and then we made this bed we found out she is uh, more likely to lose her moisture at night. Ah. And then also her skin is very good match with the sea butter. So we made the special linen just for her, weaving cotton into the, the sea butter into the cotton. And then it's just her linen. So it just made for her. And Did many, she move many... to live in the shopping mall? <laughs> no, it's just the showroom. Um, sadly, yeah. We asked her to visit her actual, renovate her room. But she said it's her <laughs> private area. Not yet, not yet. Okay, that's a very interesting Everything like the wallpaper and all that is based on her genetic data. And and how many people are members in the this uh, group? Now, in Tokyo about um, 90 people. 90. Yeah. And, and it's gl- it's only in uh, Mekane, Tokyo, or you took it to other places? Yes, we have uh, members in 10 countries in um, Asia Pacific area. But uh, some of the com- ca- country are very active. Some of our, uh, them are not active. So hmm. it's a difference. But uh, yeah, we have uh, leaders and then we have program that we can meet up sometimes in the, in a year. So we can exchange the idea and work together. So maybe one time you will do an exhibition about your ideas of uh, the millennial. Oh yeah, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. You study actually illustration in an art school, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where, where did you uh, do you study? Um, studied in UK. It's not in London. It's a area called um, Cornwall. It's about seven hours away from London. So I needed to face their pen and paper every day. I was like drawing, designing stuff every day in their yeah, cost side. And you know, the reason that I ask, because uh, we talked about uh, creativity and I kind of see creativity as, as, a, as an osmosis process, that if you are around creative people, you do creative things. Mm-hmm. And obviously in an advertising agency, you have also the traditional business functions. How do you see maybe the creativity of the advertising teams actually goes into other departments in the business, if at all? My career is not consistent. I've done so many things. I never thought when I was studying illustration, I never thought I would make a house based on genetic data or uh, (laughs) making a robot. But one thing that's in common is that I have passion that I want to express something so whether it's art 
client advertising, uh, client work, or their works that I want to make, like robots. It's always the same passion, their illustration as well. And then in advertising industry, I think there are two types who is very, very focused on the advertising, but the other one is more more like me, that they have some passion to express something. So sometimes it's not advertising, so they can kind of go beyond. Yeah, it's like uh, for creative, I always say for creative people, disciplines don't exist. No. My question revolves around, you know, uh, you mentioned some of the people that do the business development, etc. And you actually mentioned the, the creative aspect of their work. And that's kind of the influence that I'm, I'm looking to, to see if maybe someone that work in business development, but in a creative environment, actually go beyond the traditional of their business and becoming more creative in their role. So when I joined McCann, I was in media department, which is not much to do with their, their creative so first department I was in was a media buyer. So it's more relation development with their media partners. And then my first boss was super, super creative because he created many, many new deals that people never ever thought. So I thought why this guy is so successful is that he's just creative. He's got so much passion to break their existing rule and then making a new deals with their media partners. So even their division, like the media buying division, I think that guy was super creative. So I think that kind of things, again, there's no disciplines. The creative people exist in the different department. So I still respect him. The way he thinks is very um, cool. And how do you think we can encourage it in more traditional companies? How we can encourage actually people to explore, to explore creativity, to explore uh, design, to look for other inspiration rather than Excel sheet? I don't have answer. I think, again, it needs to go um, back to the early education. Yeah. And then what happened last week, I'm starting to worry, is that my daughter starts to ask, Whatever the things she does, is it correct that or is it wrong? It's the bad sign. She starts to lose her expression, like her... Personal freedom. Yeah, personal freedom, yeah. So I think the small things like that, when you grow up, it becomes the person who kind of follows the right answer. So it's, it's just the opposite direction from the creativity. So what inspires you? I, I just trying to learn from my parents who gave me a freedom to do whatever the things I do. Also my ex-boss and also their boss today who gave, still giving me a, a freedom to express. So, yeah. That's something very interesting, you know, because often people ask me about creative talent but I always tell managers, even if you bring creative talent, do you know how to manage them? And one of the things that I've noticed is that actually creative people need the freedom to experiment with ideas that they have and not only channel them to, to the same thing. 
But the difficult thing in their corporation is that you need to make money to be sustainable. Obviously. It's, yeah, you're not like patron for yeah, yeah. their artist. So I had my 10 years spent in McCann, not doing millennials, which I try to make money and working only for the advertising. And after I thought of thought that I can do my thing, but still making money. So that's the difficult things. But I needed to learn like 10 years. Maybe, yeah, yeah Gen Z can do it in uh, three, three <laughs> years or even in the first year. Yeah, it's funny. You know, every time I speak with business uh, uh, people, immediately when I meet, talk about art, they think that it's focusing only on the imagination. And when you look at very successful companies, it's always the two. It's always the imagination and the execution. Mm. And that's something that I feel that many companies are lacking. They are so focused on execution and efficiency that they're actually forgetting that we need the imagination in order to go um, to the future. Yeah. Great. I enjoyed this conversation. I don't know if you have like a kind of a, a final uh, thoughts and uh, maybe to give tip for the people that doesn't have your uh, helmet yet, <laughs> how they can develop their creativity. Uh, send email to Fuji Xerox to make that product <laughs> out in the store. They're still under development. But uh, no, I... Um, Imagination and execution. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think today we can, as long as you can have our spare time, you can start small prototyping. And then with that, you can have team members around and then you can develop it. So I just did the same things with the Macan Millennials. No one believed me at the time I started their um, AI CD project, but three people who thought, whoa, that's a cool concept, let's do it, made actual robot and made it happen. So I think just start making it is their first step and then the most creative step yeah just do it just do it the yeah. best uh, <laughs> slogan probably yeah great first of all Shun thank you very much arigato gozaimasu arigato gozaimasu thanks thanks Shun arigato thank you hope you enjoy this episode I want to say arigato gozaimasu and big thanks to the Mekan team in Tokyo that hosted us in their offices to record this episode Big thanks to Shun, who took his time to share all these beautiful projects he is doing and what he thinks about creativity and artificial intelligence. If you want to learn more about the work Shun is doing, if you want to see the commercials he mentioned, and if you want to see the different projects he created, go to our website and everything will be available on the episode show notes. Videos, articles, links. Until next time, stay safe. Have a great day. We are producing our podcast without any ads, and we are relying on our community's direct support. People like you, our listeners. So if you find it valuable, I will be super grateful if you could spread the word by leaving a rating and maybe a review. It will take you just 30 seconds to do so, and it is very helpful in getting these ideas to a wider audience. If you are interested to develop your artistic mindset, if you are looking to grow your business, if you want to develop the innovation competencies in your organizations, I will highly recommend you to check our workshops and trainings, all available on our website. The episode was mixed and mastered by Daniel Duran. 
you can subscribe to the Artian Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our previous shows are available on our website, www.theartian.com slash podcast. Each episode includes show notes, guest recommendations, videos, and other materials. We can also be found on our LinkedIn page, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us directly via email at podcast at theartian.com. So I will be waiting here for you in the next episode with me, Nir Hindi. Once again, thanks for listening.